Hey, we want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on the JF Podcast. It is our hope that this most recent talk teaches you, inspires you, and challenges you to live the life you were designed to live. If this message has helped you in some way, help someone else by sharing it. And if you want more information about who we are, what we do, or you'd like to contribute to our community, you can find us at JolietNaz.org. Thanks so much for listening. You must be Mr. Shady. Well, yes, I am. I'm here to solve all your work needs. Why, you must be Mr. Shady. I'm Batman. Why, you must be Mr. Shady. Uh, yeah, is this the place for the interview? It sure is. Good to see you, Mr. Shady. Everybody here at Reliable Staffing, we were absolutely blown away with the way your online uh, survey was filled out. And your resume is absolutely amazing. There's a few other questions we have for you, so if you don't mind, I'd like to shoot you some questions. Ah, uh, feel free. I'd be happy to answer anything. You know what they call me? Honest Abe. You know, I'm like George Washington. I cannot tell a lie. Um, yeah, I could try to answer some questions. I see. So, what type of a job are you looking for? I want to be a brain surgeon. So, what type of a job are you looking for? Um, truck driver? So, what type of a job are you looking for? Maybe something in the mailroom? Okay. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about your educational background? Well, I've got a PhD from Harvard. You know, I graduated summa cum laude from the University of Illinois. You know, I got my GED back in 2008. Tell me about your job experience. What was the last position you held? I was the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. I was a chemical engineer. You know, I was that guy that would stand by the copier and pretend to look busy. Fine. Let's talk about your salary requirements. What type of uh, salary are you looking for? I was thinking a quarter million. You know, a cool hundo would be good for me. Really, anything more than minimum wage. Moving on, um, what would you consider to be your greatest strengths? Honesty. You know, I'm a great communicator. I can bench press 350 pounds. You know, you know I'm, does nice hair count as a, as a strength? No. Let's try it this way. What would your past coworkers or employers say are your biggest assets? I lead by example. I'm a problem solver. You know, when I call in sick, I usually am. Good. Good. Do you have any criminal convictions? Convictions? In this state? No. You know, this ankle bracelet I'm wearing, I'm just beta testing for the prison system. You know, as part of witness protection, I really am not allowed to discuss this. Why ever did you leave your last job? You know, I just wasn't being challenged enough. You know, I thought that taking office supplies was a job perk. You know, I didn't know that they actually had an attendance policy. I got fired. Hmm. We've talked about your strengths. What would you say are some of your weaknesses? Oh, that's simple. I work too hard. 
I don't have any weaknesses. You know, I'm kind of lazy. Any history of drug or alcohol abuse? History? Uh, there's prohibition. We all know about that one. I'm talking about personal history of alcohol or drug abuse. Oh, well, I, I don't smoke, drink, chew, or go, the, go with girls who do. Seriously. Thank you. So what do you do to keep yourself in such great shape? Well, I belong to Charter Fitness in Frankfurt. I work out every... Oh, yeah, that closed. Um, i getting ready to go start working at the gym. I used to belong to the Y. I drive by the Y sometimes. Are you a people person? Yes. I, my neighbors like me. My cat loves me. I think. Wow. Is there anything else you'd like me to know that you haven't uh, or we haven't covered? Well, I'm a quick learner. I'm a gourmet chef. You know, I am kind of good at sorting stuff. Good, good. Well, you know, I think that pretty much covers everything. If we find something that fits you, we'll give you a call. Oh, that's great. You think you'd really be able to find me a job? For you? Oh, sure, no problem. Right. Hey, let's give our actors a hand. What a great job this morning. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're so glad you're here. If you're new here, thanks for coming today. Glad you could be here and be part of this. Thanks for braving the weather. As I always tell people, um, when it snows, you have a special place in heaven, unlike those other heathens who decided not to come today. Totally kidding. Where's the bell? Come on. Ding me. Uh, totally kidding. But we're glad you're here today. Glad you could make it. Um, we're glad that our kids could help come up and lead worship this morning. If you don't know, yeah, give them a hand. That's great. If you don't know much about our church, we believe that um, kids are not the future of the church. We believe they are the church right now. In fact, if you go out back behind the green couch, you will see a big piece of art with some Hebrew on it that has the word Ben, which literally means member, and that's how they referred to children. And so we believe that the kids are the kingdom. In fact, the other week, Janelle is teaching during our Kinder U class, um, and she was teaching the little ones, and she was talking about the kingdom of heaven. And one of the girls went up to her and said, Hey, Miss Janelle, we are the kingdom. Is that not the coolest thing, right? We've said it because Jesus has said it that. Kids are the kingdom. They are the example. And what I want for you today is for you to believe, for you to believe that you are the kingdom as well, right? That's why we're doing this whole series called The Good and Beautiful Life. It's all about learning to live in the kingdom of God, and it's all about living the good and beautiful life. And so if you've not been here over the last five weeks or four weeks or whatever it's been, go back online, catch up on all our talks. And today we're talking about the obvious. Hopefully, if you didn't get it from that, um, I don't know what will help you today. 
Um, but that's where we're going. So would you pray for me this morning before we begin? Lord, we thank you for this time of worship, this time to, to discover what it means to live into the good and beautiful life. We pray that we would be open to what you would have to say. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in the middle of a kids, uh, kids youth semester, um, and we are hosting uh, one of the most exhilarating, yet one of the most dangerous classes we've hosted yet. That's right. We're hosting hockey this semester, and it's fun. I'm helping coach that class, and I can hear you saying, why would you give a bunch of kids hockey sticks? Don't they hit each other, and don't they beat each other? You're right, they do. They do, but here's what's great. This is why it's gone so well. Once one kid gets hit, they know how painful it is. And so they won't do to somebody else what they don't want done to them. And so it's actually gone quite well. One hit is enough for everyone. Uh, but the difficult part is at the end of every, uh, of every class, we have a scrimmage. Uh, we have a little hockey scrimmage. And the difficult part is you can't tell the difference between the teams. Because we don't have jerseys or we don't have pennies. Everybody looks the same. And there was one young man, he was witty, and he was smart, he was a little cunning, and he knew, he knew that I didn't know the difference between the team, and for him, that was all the difference he needed. So I want to show you what happened. Check it out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's it. You saw it, right? Yeah, you're not on my team. Well, for many of you who don't know, that's little Dylan. We love Dylan. He's aspiring to be a pastor someday, which, I mean, you just got to deceive people and you'll make a great pastor. Uh, totally kidding. Um, but he did a great job. I love it, right? He, if you were watching that, you would say, Dylan was in it to win it. But he had to make himself seem like something that he's not, right? And so he said, hey, pastor, pass me the ball. Like, you don't know that I'm not on your team. But if you pass me the ball, it will give me an advantage. It will give me the edge over all the other competitors. So I can score a goal. Now, what he did, in my opinion, was hilarious. It was innocent and it was funny, but he has proved to us what many of us struggle with, and that is this, that we need to lie to get by, right? I can hear you now. You're saying, Pastor, I don't lie. Listen, we all lie. We lie to get by, and if you're saying, I don't need this talk, I don't need this message, I don't need to be here, don't deceive yourself. In fact, quit lying to yourself, because we all lie. And you're saying, well, how do you know that? Did you know that in a 10-minute conversation, you will lie to somebody 3.3 times? And you're saying, how is that possible? I mean, I can't even think of a lie that I would tell somebody. Listen, you've been at work or you've been at school or you've been walking somewhere and you saw somebody that you didn't want to see. You don't like them, you don't care about them, you wish you never saw them, and yet you're walking by them, and what do you say? So good to see you this morning. 
when you know you didn't want to see them and they didn't want to be seen by you and vice versa, right? But yet you say, so good to see you this morning. Uh, we often will be at the store, we'll be out and about and we run into people. Life happens and we lose friends over time. We get it, but we run into people and we say things like this. Hey, we should catch up sometime. We should go out and get some coffee or we should go out and get some lunch. And you know when you say that you have no intention of ever going out to lunch or ever going out to coffee with them. In fact, you know if they were to friend you on Facebook, you haven't talked in five years, you'd probably unfriend them because you don't care. And you probably don't agree with them and anything they have to say anyway. And so, but you say, hey, yeah, let's catch up. Let's go out to lunch. Or you've had this. Somebody wants to make plans with you that you don't want to make plans with. And they give you a date. Hey, are you open uh, February 14th? And you look at your calendar and you're hoping, you're just hoping they don't peer over your phone as you look in your calendar because it's completely empty. And yet you say, nope, I'm booked up that day. I'm completely full. I can't, I can't hang out that day. I'm sorry. And then you just never give them a date back. Uh, what's even worse is we lie to our kids all the time. Right? I lie to my kids. Kids, plug your ears for a second. Right? When I tell them, you need to brush your teeth because your teeth are going to fall out of your face. That's not a lie. But the lie is when I say they'll fall out of your teeth like they'll fall out of your face tomorrow. Like if you don't brush your teeth tonight, you're not going to have teeth tomorrow. That's not necessarily true. But yet we lie all the time. And you know what's really bad is you are starting to feel bad about yourself that you lie 3.3 times within 10 minutes. Well, guess what? So does everybody else. Here's the good news, right? Everyone else is doing it, so don't feel bad about yourself. Did you know that in one day, let's just put it this way, every 10 minutes you are lied to five, about five times. And what's even better is you're lied to over 200 times a day. You're lied to over 200 times a day. And I think I got my stats wrong, so I'm just owning it right now that I think I got them wrong. But the 200 part is totally true. And so you're asking me, Brad, what is it? Why do we lie to get by? Why do we lie to get by? And that's a great question. Thank you for being inquisitive. You're such great students. We lie to get by to get what we want, and we lie to get by to get what we don't want. Here's the interesting thing. The why of the lie to get what we want is all about desire. Here's the thing. I lie to my wife when I want what I want. When something costs $18, I always have a tendency to round down. You do this too, right? You want something, you round down. $18, it's only $15. $150, it's in the 100 range. Over $1,000, it's in our budget, right? You do that. I do that. We round down. We, we lie to get what we want. It's based on desire. We, it... it, it fills a need that we want, and we do it at the expense of other people. You've done this, I've done this, we've all done this. The other why of the lie and what we don't want is fear. Right? Many of us are afraid that if we tell the truth, if we're caught in a conversation where we actually don't know what they're talking about and we're pretending to know what they're talking about, we know that there's this fear that we're going to look dumb or stupid. Or if we come out and tell the truth, there, is con there are consequences that come along with that. And we're afraid of what the consequences are. And the truth is, and the reason why you and I lie, is we don't like pain. We have fear of pain. And so the two major ingredients of lying are desire and fear. Fear of the pain and the desire 
of gain. So there is something deeper going on, though, at the heart of lying that we need to get to. See, you've been in conversations, and you know when somebody's about to tell you a story that you know is not true, and it's going to be a big, grand story, and you've heard them say this, if I'm lying, I'm dying. If I'm lying, I'm dying. And essentially what they're saying is this, I am swearing on my own life that whatever lie is about to come out of my mouth, that whatever statement's about ready to come out of my mouth, if I'm lying, I bet my life on it. I stake my life on it. And you know, anybody that has to preface a conversation or a big statement with that is what? They're lying. Right? But the irony of that statement, if I'm lying, I'm dying, is it's so true. Because when you're lying, you are See, we, we get that maybe physically we won't die. We understand that. But what we don't know is that internally, the deepest part of who we are as human people is our soul is being destroyed. Right? When we lie, we lose. Right? Not only do you lose your soul and you lose who you are, it's not just a personal thing, it's a relational thing for a lot of us. Right? When we lie, we lose. You wonder why your parents don't trust you. When you say you're going where you're going and they don't find you where you're supposed to be going. You wonder why your spouse questions every single move that you make or why you spent what you did or where you are, where you are, right? And you wonder why you don't have any friends around you. It's because when we lie, we lose. When you're lying, you are dying. And Jesus understands this. And God understands this about you and about me. And that in order to live the good and beautiful life, we have to address the deeper issue. And so this morning, we're going to look at some words written by a man named Matthew. If you haven't been here over the last few weeks, uh, we have been following uh, this guy named Matthew who's been writing to us and helping us un uh, discover the good and beautiful life. And so today, he writes these words to us because they're important to him. If you don't know Matthew, he was a prolific writer. Uh, he was a profound writer about the life of Jesus. And what's so interesting, what's so interesting about his life is that he was a tax collector. And so if anybody learned how to lie, it was this guy. If anybody learned how to get by, it was Matthew, the tax collector. And his life was built, check, catch this, on fear and desire. You see, when he showed up every morning to work, he had to give a tax to the empire. And he was netting a negative at the very beginning. How would you like to go into the work and your paycheck was a negative $565 to start the day? That's how he started every day. And there was this fear that he had to recoup all that money in order to survive and to live. And so in order to do that, he would gouge people out of their money in order to make up what he had lost, but also to gain some for his own life. And so he had this fear. And then he just fed the desire to have more and more and more. Matthew was an extremely wealthy person. He had lots of money, big house, his own little slice of heaven here on earth. But you know what was so sad about Matthew's life? is he was meant for community. He was meant for connection with other people. Our lifeblood is found in other people. His life was found in other people. But the problem was he lied to so many people that after a while, even with all the money, a life that was built on a lie was broken and a mess. 
Now we look at this, the words that Jesus is about to say, and we, and we, we know that they're on this Sermon on the Mount. I want you to know this. The Sermon on the Mount was not necessarily one long sermon like you would be here for days if I were to give that sermon. And so it's believed that, that um, Matthew takes Jesus' teachings over his life, the ones that he taught the most, and then he compiles them all together in Matthew chapter 5 as if to say, if you want to know who Jesus is, just listen to this little bit of peace. Listen to this message. Listen to this story I'm about to tell you. And I think that Matthew inserts this very story or this very text because he knows he knows the importance of when we lie to get by, that lying is dying. So here's what Jesus says. Again, you've heard it said that uh, to the people long ago, I love it. Again, you've heard it said, we've been in this repetition here. Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. Right? Again, again, I tell you. And we went over this last week. Jesus is kind of like, he's, he's like the great rap artist right now. He is, he is on a roll. He is rhyming and diamond. I mean, this dude's killing it. And people, people are not getting what he's throwing down. They're just not getting it. And so he starts again. Again, I tell you. And last week we learned that Jesus keeps addressing this benchmark. That there was a standard for living. There was a standard for life. And he keeps saying, look at it, look at it. You keep following it. Yet I'm asking you to surpass it. That's what we learned last week. I'm asking you to get over it and to surpass it because the trajectory that you've been on according to what the world has taught you is destroying your life. You keep making oaths. You keep doing this and you keep doing that. The problem is, the problem is it's not working for you and your life is empty. And so Jesus says this to him. I love it. He says, but I tell you, do not swear on any oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is the Lord's footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. So Jesus says, you have heard it said a long time ago, you can swear an oath on God's name, but I tell you, don't swear at all. Which to us, is like, no big deal. This isn't very revolutionary. We're, we're not catching what he's thrown down. But, but to the people of this day, they're like, wait a minute. You're asking us to do something that we've been doing all along. And, and you're, you're wanting us to do more. See, it would be like Jesus saying, I need you to go have a conversation with somebody. But I don't want you to use Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or any kind of social media. I want you to do something revolutionary and actually have a face-to-face -face conversation. And we're like, whoa, what's it mean to talk to people face to face? See, this is what it is for the people of this day. They had two customs on swearing, and I don't mean using cuss words. I'm talking about swearing on God's name and swearing on other people's names, two customs. And so it went like this. If Methuselah wanted to buy a camel from Dodo, by the way, Dodo is in the Bible. You didn't know that? Go look it up. That's an actual name in the Bible, Dodo. If Methuselah wanted to buy a camel from Dodo along with this farmland for $100 an acre, he would say, hey, Dodo, I love the farm that you've got. I'd love to purchase it from you. By the way, can I have the camel that's on the land too for $50? And he would say to him, you know, uh, can we make a deal? And, and Dodo would say, yeah, we can do that. It's a deal. Let's do it. And Methuselah would understand, hey, this is such a great deal 
that somebody could come in and steal this from me. That somebody could come in and take this from under me. You've had that house before that you wanted, and somebody came in and took it from you, or that car, or whatever it was. Somebody came in and bought it under, from underneath you. And so Methuselah is afraid that if, if I don't make this a, a deal deal, somebody's going to take it. And so he says, hey, Dodo, let's really make this legit. In fact, I swear on God's name. I make an oath to God. Will you make an oath to God that you'll give me, you will deed me this property for $100 an acre and $50 for the camel? And Dodo would say, I swear on God's name that I will give you this, this farmland and I will give you this camel. In fact, I'll just throw in the camel for free. On God's name, it's a deal. And they believed if God's name was in it, then God was in it. It was a binding contract at this point that, that if you were to make a deal and you use God's name, you knew they meant what they were saying. But the other problem is this, is they also had the common practice of Methuselah wanting the land and wanting the camel, and he would go up to Dodo and he'd say, hey, can I have this? And I swear on God's name that you, would you give me this for, for $100 an acre and for $50 for the camel? And Dodo would say something like this. Yes, I swear on my mama's grave. I swear on my mama's life. Or as Jesus says, and this was a common practice, I swear on the earth or Jerusalem or heaven. And what's funny, unbeknownst to Methuselah, Dodo knew that he had no intention of keeping that contract. Because here's what they thought, and here was the problem. If God's name wasn't in it, then God wasn't in it. And Jesus says, this is the problem. This is the problem. God's people had been chosen to be a blessing to the world to be a light, a hope, to be grace, to be love to the people around them. And all of a sudden, it's become a culture of people who could no longer keep their word. They could no longer speak truth. And Jesus is saying, uh, yep, you've heard it said, you can swear on this, but I'm telling you, that's not working for you anymore. And so Jesus calls them to something deeper. See, he understands, he understands this, that a life, somebody who stakes their life on truth, somebody who stakes their life on God, who centers their life on Christ, over time, over time, they are building something that is believable. And Jesus wants to say, I don't need you to make deals anymore. You don't need to make deals with people. In fact, when you have me at the center of your life, Jesus is at the center of who you are. You don't need to make deals to be believable. People will simply believe. Because your word is your life, and your life is your word. And everything that you say cannot be separated from God. See, this was the whole problem. They were compartmentalizing God. Oh, we'll have God in this, and we'll not have God in this, and we'll have God here, and we won't have God here. And God is saying, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. I'm in everything, whether you like it or not. I am present. 
present. And I need you to become aware of the fact that when you say something, it is coming from the heart of who you are. And if Jesus is at the center of that, if God is at the center of that, then it is spoken in truth. And truth is about love. And love is about bringing life to other people. You are building a life that is believable. And so Jesus says it next. He says, all you need to say is yes or no. All you need to say, I love that. We're going to get to that in a minute. All you need to say is yes or no. Anything beyond that is from the evil one. The greatest issue for many of us when we lie to get by is that we are not bringing life to the people around us. In fact, it's interesting. Jesus says, he says, when you say, all you need to say, and it's interesting, the word that Jesus uses here, and we're going to go a little bit academic for just a second, hang with me. The word say that he refers to you and to me, referring to us, means logos or logos. And you're saying, that's great, Brad. Thanks for the, the Greek. What's the connection? And the connection is this. There's another wonderful gospel writer, John, who says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. And the word that John uses for the word, Word, is Logos. Yeah. See, the Logos was God and is God, and it was never not God. And then he goes on to say this. Through the Word, through what I have said, through what I have spoken into existence, all things were made. My point is this. Logos brings life. The Logos is what brought us into existence. And what Jesus says, all you need to say is, the word that referred to God that referred to Jesus, that Jesus uses to refer to us is Logos. That every word you speak was meant to bring life. You know the problem with lying to get by, the lie to get by? The problem for so many of us is that when we're lying, we are dying. When we're lying, we are dying. And what we leave in the aftermath of when you fail to tell the truth to people, the destruction that you leave to a world around you, is this. Lying leaves a world lifeless. Everything we say Everything we do either brings life or allows it to die. And when we speak things that aren't true, we leave a world that is lifeless, which is clearly different, clearly different from what Jesus says to us. When all you need to say, what needs to come from your mouth is something that gives life to people. You see, we often wonder, why is it that my parents don't trust me? 
Why is it that my marriage is failing and my spouse is always questioning me? Why is it that I don't have any friends anymore? Why is it? Why is it that my boss doesn't trust me to do a bigger job or whatever it may be? Maybe you're not believable. Maybe we're not believable. Maybe we haven't built a life that is believable and trustworthy. But when you say yes to the good and beautiful life, when you say yes to God, I'm telling you, you will begin to speak life into the people around you. And here's the question I want you to ask. This is always helpful. Does every word I say take life away or bring life in a new way? Does every word I say take life away or bring life in a new way? That's the question I need you to be asking. Does every word spoken take life away or bring life in a new way? Thanks for those taking notes. This is helpful. Here's what I want you to do this week. This is your soul training exercise. Tell the truth. Pretty simple, huh? Tell the truth. Uh, for some of us, that may be easier than others. For, for some of us, we know the task that's ahead of us. Tell the truth. So here's what I would say to you. Start small. Start small. Right? It's the little things. It's just the little things that we... We, we, even if it's just a story that you're embellishing just a little bit. I'm a pastor, so I know all about that. If you embellish a story just a little bit, right? It's not truth. It's a, little, it's a bend of the truth, which really isn't the truth at all. But if we begin to think to ourselves, ooh, it, nope, let me just stop for a minute. That's, that's not right. Start with the small things. And here's the next step. Be honest when it's, when it's hurtful. Be honest when it's painful, Right? The biggest fear is pain, and that's why we're not honest. Be honest. If you find yourself saying, to something, uh, saying something to somebody you know isn't true, stop yourself. Do you ever think that maybe you're more credible and you're more believable when you stop and say, you know what, I'm sorry, hang on, let me rephrase that. No, 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 that wasn't right. Let me start over. Or maybe you're in a conversation and you're pretending like you know everything there is to know about whatever they're talking about and you don't know. It's okay to say, I don't know. In fact, you probably will appear smarter than what you are when you say, I don't know. That's like when I was at the racetracks. Uh, I don't know anything about racing. And I went with my buddy in high school and they were going around kicking up dust. And my buddy said, listen, they're going to talk to you. The person next to you is going to talk to you about cars. And you're not going to have a clue what they're saying. And all you need to do is just go, yeah! <laughs> and I did, and it was so helpful. Right on! Yeah, I don't know this. Yeah! It was helpful, because then I didn't look stupid. I didn't know what kind of engines they were talking about, or how big the tires were, or what. I didn't know any of that. But be honest when it hurts. I would also say this. Stop lying to yourself or to others because you're only lying to yourself. We are so connected with each other. We are connected with each other in many ways, spiritually, physically, emotionally. And whenever you lie to somebody else, just know, let it be in the back of your mind, I'm only lying to me. And how would you feel if somebody was lying to you and you knew it? It's not so fun, is it? So I say start this week by telling the truth. 
and lead a life. Give a logos that, that brings life into the world, that every word you speak brings life. It's interesting to me that, that Jesus says anything else is from the evil one. Did you all know that we think the evil one is all about the devil? But, but interestingly, the word translated simply means to bring you down or to cause labor or to destroy somebody. Man, don't labor somebody. Don't bring them down. Just give them life. Don't lie to get by. Because speaking truth is speaking love. And when we speak love, we're giving.